I think that one of the most special things about Slipstream Weekends is that we are pushing people, we say we're pushing them to the edge of their comfort zone. There's a lot of magic that happens kind of when you get to that limit and when you choose to step over that line. That can be in terms of of opening yourself up to a place where you can learn more or learn differently than you have before. Um, but it also can be pretty cool to see that you can do that. Some people come just for the educational purpose, but some people come and they never set foot inside a building. And instead they're going to try to canoe for the first time, or they're going to go rock climbing, or they're going to meet a whole bunch of new people and go for a walk, or they're just going to sit by a campfire. There's definitely something special that happens um, in being able to connect as an adult and learn in a different way and, and being with people who get it. Welcome to the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman, and I invite you to join us as we talk candidly about the emotional challenges of living with type 1 diabetes. We'll give you actionable strategies to help you face these challenges head on, reduce your stress, and most importantly, live a full life without letting diabetes get in the way. Hey there, a quick question for you. Does type 1 diabetes make you feel stuck? Do you feel like living with type 1 limits you and makes it harder to do the things that you want to do? If so, I have a free guide that can help you get unstuck and become more flexible in your life with type 1 diabetes. To download your free copy, go to www.thediabetespsychologist.com backslash get unstuck. That's thediabetespsychologist.com backslash get unstuck. And be sure to follow me on Instagram at thediabetespsychologist for access to even more exclusive content. Welcome to the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman. On this episode, we're talking about the importance of connection and the benefits of connecting with other people with type 1 diabetes. This episode really got me thinking about the value of connection, and I realized that in the past, I may have had too narrow of a view about what connection is. I've always thought about connection and support as being the same thing, but this episode helped me expand how I think about connection and discover some new benefits that go beyond support, particularly how people with type 1 diabetes can do more and push ourselves further together. And this together only comes through connection. My guest today is Jen Hansen. Jen is the Executive Director of Connected in Motion, a nonprofit organization based in Canada. Connected in Motion works to create a culture of support and engagement in diabetes self-management through peer-based experiential diabetes education, sport, and outdoor adventure. They take diabetes out of the clinics and into nature through their slipstream weekends, or as I like to call them, diabetes camp for adults. These weekends take place throughout Canada and the United States, and Jen talks all about them during our conversation. Jen has truly found her calling, combining her love for the outdoors with her mission for improving the lives of people with type 1 diabetes. Here's my conversation with Jen. Jen, thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Mark. I'm excited to be here, and and I've been excited to hear the podcast so far. So I want to start off like I talked off with everybody and hear a little bit about you and especially your life with diabetes. So can you give us a little bit of a background about you? Sure. So I was diagnosed with diabetes when I was three in 1987, and uh, so I kind of have that classic story of being a youth and growing up, or at least classic as I understand it to be um, in Ontario. So I was diagnosed at three, 
my parents shipped me off to summer camp when I was eight years old. And um, it's actually funny listening now to people in the diabetes community who talk about having been sent off to summer camp. And I realized that I am maybe the anomaly there because uh, I was so excited to go and friends talk about how they were they like wouldn't get in the car or they wouldn't get out of the car when they arrived. And I like had my bags packed in May waiting to go. Um, but I spent uh, 18 years actually at summer camp with, between being a camper and then being a staff member. Um, and so I've always had a pretty strong connection to the diabetes community. Uh, and it's kind of been neat to see how that's changed over the years. Um, I So I spent many years at Camp Huronda, which is the diabetes camp here in Ontario. And the year that I left, there was kind of a mass exodus of staff. I think there were about 45 staff that all retired on at the same time. We were all mid twenties and realized like, we probably need to make money um, and start to pay off our student loans. And so we left camp and that was a really kind of scary experience because um, we went from a time of of having this intense connection over 10 weeks of every single summer with fellow staff members and campers and families um, to not knowing what was next. And it's, I feel like I age myself when I say like, it was honestly before social media. So we were, we were writing letters to each other. And like, if you got a phone call from someone, man, that was like shocking. (laughs) Um, So we kind of left into this world of, of like, what's going to be, next. Um, What was it about camp that was so helpful for you and so exciting for you? I think it was, we always talked about living in the camp bubble and it was just such a disconnect from uh, at the time. And when that like camp bubble really became a, a strong thing that I felt I was in university. And so it came from like my busy, hectic life in university straight up to this bubble of summer camp where you were kind of cut out from the outside world. We, we really didn't talk to many people outside of that, that bubble and you formed bond bonds that were pretty intense with your fellow staff members. They became like your family over, over those 10 weeks that you spent, um, you spent up there. And because it was the camp environment, like we were totally, we felt like we were totally self-sustained in that bubble. Like, that's where we ate. That's where we slept. That's where we played. That's where our days off were. And um, yeah, it was, it, it really did keep you wanting to go back and wanting to get back into that space year after year. And you were in a bubble of people with diabetes. And so everybody in that bubble was the same as you. And that must've been comforting. Yeah, totally. And, and maybe more so, I realize that more so now than when I was actually in it because that is what I experienced every single summer growing up. And I didn't really know anything different than that. Um, But now looking back and especially as like my life with connected emotion has evolved over the years, I've met more and more people with diabetes who've had different experiences. And I realized like how special that was and how important that that probably was. And maybe like, I almost realized that I didn't pay a lot of attention to that back, back then and how, how much that probably shaped me and, and my views on diabetes and my life with diabetes. Well, we, and before we talk about connected emotion, I want to say that it's, it's funny because I think that when we're having trouble with connecting with other people with diabetes and having trouble emotionally, we notice it. 
But when we're doing well and we're doing well, really well, really well in that in that realm, and we have those connections and things are going smoothly, that's not something we notice. And so it becomes a normal for you. And I'm wondering if that was your experience of just kind of just being like having diabetes, never being easy, but certainly having the connections and having the support. That was your normal growing up. Totally, and actually. Um, I did my master's thesis in experiential diabetes education. And one of the things that came up as I was doing that research that I just found so interesting was that we almost, and we being that bubble of people that were connected in the diabetes community, experienced this new sense of normal that we never experienced outside of that bubble. Because when we're outside of that bubble, we're comparing ourselves as people with diabetes to everyone else without diabetes. And when you're in that bubble for the first time, you're comparing yourself with diabetes to someone else with diabetes. And you just started, I don't know, I, I, I thought of things differently. And I realized, oh, like, that's what it looks like when your blood sugar is low. Hey, that's what it looks like when my blood sugar is low. That's normal. And it was the first time that like you, you felt that sense of normal because everyone around you was like that. And that I, I didn't, I don't think I realized that that was happening, but um, it is definitely interesting that that doesn't really happen anywhere else because you, if you don't have those comparisons, how do you ever feel like what you're, what you're doing is okay <laughs> or what, what's going on is okay and fine. And just like that other person and someone else has been like that. It's, it's, um, it's settling. It's, it's nice to feel that way they get it. The other person that's there, they get what it feels like to be low. They get what it feels like to be pissed off because their blood sugar is high and won't come down. They get all those experiences that you feel like you're the only one. Yeah, totally. Totally. And, and yeah, I, that, that probably was another reason why going back to that camp bubble was so important because you knew when you got there, there was no more explaining. Everybody did get it. There was there was no, not judgment in the same way. Yeah. It was a, it was a cool experience. So right now you are the executive director for Connected Emotion. And I want to hear a little bit about what Connected Emotion is and what you do and what your mission is. Sure. Yeah. And, and it kind of melds really like nicely into that camp experience because I grew up at summer camp. I grew up with community. I grew up knowing um, the power of connecting with other people with diabetes. Um, and when I think I was about 25 and was leaving camp, realizing that the, where was I going to connect with these other people that get it, there really at that time wasn't anywhere to connect. And um, serendipitously, I connected with a gal named Chloe who had had the total opposite experience of me. So she was diagnosed when she was 18 with type one. And um, in Canada, that means that you're put into an adult diabetes clinic. And that means that it serves all different kinds of diabetes, which really means very few people with type one diabetes. And um, you can imagine as an 18 year old going into a clinic like that and being told you have diabetes and looking around and no one looks like you and no one seems to be interested in the same things you're interested in. And there's no one you can talk to about going to college the next year. Like um, she really retreated from her diabetes and, or from the diabetes community. She didn't even know it existed and just did her own thing for a while. And um, it wasn't until she was uh, backpacking in, um, 2006 that she came across 
a group of cyclists who were riding in a road cycling race and they all had jerseys on that said type one diabetes. Um, and that for Chloe was the first time that she had like, seen a group of people that looked like her and they were doing something cool and exciting. She was a guide. She spent her summers up in the Northwest territories um, or in the backcountry in a canoe. And like these people seemed like her. And so she was actually invited to join them in this road cycling race. It was the first time she had ever been on a road bike. And they said, don't worry, it's going to be easy. You just keep your tire really close to that person in front of you. They're going to do all the work for you. Well, you can just ride in their slipstream. And when you feel like it, you want to take the chance to take the lead, you can hop out front and you can feel what it feels like to drive the rest of the group um, and give them a break. And that, as that was happening in, in this cycling life, that was she was realizing that was also happening in her life with diabetes for the first time ever. Someone knew what a low blood sugar was and like handed a juice box before she could ask and like understood what testing was and that sort of stuff. Um, so she came back to Canada and said, I want to find these people here. And there were no people here. So as that had happened for her, that was happening for to a huge group of people who were leaving Camp Huronda and saying the same thing. Well, what is going to be next? And so um, Chloe's idea was to get a people together, get a group of people together at a summer camp. It happened to be in the winter because that's the only time that a camp was willing to give up space. Um, and so not only was she battling with like for the first time trying to get adults with diabetes together in Ontario, but also in the middle of winter in Canada. Um, and she booked a weekend and started putting signs up around the neighborhood. And I think 19 people showed up that first weekend and just kind of got to feel what it was like to either reconnect with the diabetes community if they were someone who had grown up with a community and been disconnected or for the first time connect with that community. And so that first event happened in 2009, um, January, 2009. And um, we've kind of carried on and got to see a really cool evolution of continuing to connect people outdoors in environments that kind of push their limits and, and do they do sometimes make you a little bit uncomfortable, but get to see the impact that has on, um, mental health, their physical health, on their diabetes management, and just what it's done for to build the community and, and make it feel like we have somewhere where we can connect and other people can get it. Yeah. And I've been to a couple, I've probably been to five or six of your slipstreams. Mm -hmm. there. I call them diabetes camp for adults because they're, there are tons of fun. They are not only is there educational stuff, but there's also adventure and community and great food. And uh, I want to hear from your perspective, like what what value do they bring? Because it sounds like, you know, on the surface of it, it's like, let's go have an adventure. Let's go do some fun things. But I think beneath the surface, there's a lot more in terms of community, but also in terms of people's emotional health and how connected emotion impacts that. Yeah, totally. And I think that one of the most special things about Slipstream Weekends, because there are conferences and there are places that you can connect with people with diabetes, you can connect online. Um, but I think the thing that makes Slipstream special is that we are pushing people, we say we're pushing them to the edge of their comfort zone. And people can define their own comfort zone, um, but there's there's a lot of magic that happens kind of when you get to that limit and when you choose to step step over that line. Um, and and that's, that can be in terms of, of opening yourself up to to a place where you can learn more or learn differently than you have before. Um, but it also can be just pretty cool to see that you can do that. Um, and I think that 
the, the nature of slipstream weekends. Like you said, like some people come just for the educational purpose, but some people come and they never set foot inside a building. And instead they're going to try to canoe for the first time, or they're going to go rock climbing, or they're going to meet a whole bunch of new people and go for a walk, or they're just going to sit by a campfire for, for the weekend. But there's definitely something special that happens um, in being able to connect as an adult and learn in a different way. And, and I think coming back to that theme of like being with people who get it makes, it makes a pretty big difference. What does a weekend look like with connected emotion? So a typical slipstream weekend usually is a Friday to Sunday event, trying to be respectful of people's work schedules and life schedules. Um, but you can imagine them as similar to a conference, but in an outdoor um, venue. And instead of just lectures that you're going to sit down and, and learn from, you have the opportunity to, we say, you can choose your own adventure. And so um, there may be a, a session on overcoming burnout with Dr. Mark Heyman happening at the same time as someone teaching the basics of um, canoe tripping at the same time as someone leading a storytelling workshop. Um, and you can kind of choose which sessions you'd like to go to and, and what, what kind of works for you in that time, um, in that time of your life with diabetes. There, there's lots of options for folks, but they traditionally do happen in a camp setting. And so um, your comment about it being summer camp for adults, it's, it's totally like camp for adults. Um, you're typically um, sleeping in shared bunks with other people. We're eating communally in a dining hall. Um, we are doing evening campfires and group activities together and often doing things that people don't get a chance to do in their normal, everyday, busy lives. I'm curious, do you have any stories that really stick out to you about how a slipstream weekend has impacted the mental health of somebody with diabetes? Well, there's been so many stories over the past 11 years of, of slipstreams, but I think like a story that repeats itself um, over and over, I think comes from when we get to witness someone who has never connected with anyone else in the diabetes community for the first time, kind of immersing themselves in this experience. Um, and we we're, we're very active on social media. And so we tend to like see people before the event and then see people, how they're living their lives after the event. And there's been, there's just been some really remarkable changes in people who have, decided to engage in in their their lives with diabetes in being healthy in different ways than had happened when their education and connection and support was coming directly from a hospital or from a clinic and we we do see that happen over and over we for a number of years only ran slipstreams in canada and I remember maybe three years ago, we ran our very first one in Maine. Um, it was called our Northeastern Slipstream, and that was in partnership with Beyond Type 1. And I remember we, Heather, my colleague, and I came back from that program just like on such a high because that was in Ontario. We've, we're now getting ready for our 11th Slipstream, our, our 11th Slipstream program. But that was the first time that for 100 adults with Type 1, they had come together in for an experience like that. And we 
see those connections continue. We see people, it's so neat to see people like posting things about diabetes on Facebook that they might not have posted before and people are commenting and supporting them and people are going off on their own hikes and doing like potlucks together. And um, I think that, that those connections are, are so important and just like, we're so proud to see them. It's just, it's, it's awesome. It really proves that it's never too late to get started. You know, you have you were lucky to have that experience as a as a young woman growing up. But other people who were either diagnosed later in life or didn't have that opportunity or, or desire then um, have the opportunity to do that now. And I think that's so so valuable. Yeah, definitely. But also, a big part of slipstreams are the outdoor adventure and get having people push to their limits and, and do things that they probably never expected they could do in life, but also with diabetes. And I want to hear a little bit about what the benefits of outdoor adventures are for people with diabetes and how you've seen people change by pushing themselves. So I think that um, one, one thing that we like to do is remind people that everyone defines their own adventure and everyone defines what their own limits are and what pushing their own limits are. Um, we have lots of people come out to programs who their biggest adventure is for the first time ever sitting beside a lake and coming up to a place where they're sleeping with other adults in like a bunk bed. We also have people coming out who have done incredible treks around the world, who have backpacked for years on end, who don't have a permanent address and forever live out of their suitcase. Um, and it's, I think that that the ability for people kind of to define that on their own and and be able to define what it means for success for themselves is is really important and something that lends itself really well to the outdoor spaces. But diabetes aside, being in the outdoors has so many benefits for people that just by luck also have exponential benefits for diabetes. Um, and those would be, and, and you could like totally spend a whole podcast just digging into the science of this, but um, just that being in green spaces and being in spaces that are open and up, unobstructed of, of unnatural objects decreases stress, decreases anxiety, um, and decreases depression. Things that we know people with type 1 diabetes are, are more likely to face challenges with. And it's a, being in the outdoors is a pretty simple tool that most people can gain access to. And that doesn't mean you need to like go on a canoe trip in the middle of nowhere. Like you can go to your local park um, and, and still get some of those benefits. I think a second thing is that it's really hard to not be active when you're in the outdoors. Um, and so you're, by, by being outside, <laughs> we sometimes say that we like, we trick people into coming and learning and being active with all the fun that we talk about. But like, really you're going to be active when you're in these outdoor spaces because you're walking, you're, you're moving in different ways that you might not, um, if living in a more, more urban space or a more urban life. Um, and even just 15 minutes a day of exercise has exponential benefits, um, for, for diabetes. And that, that can just be walking. Like that does not need to be running for 15 minutes, which I think has been super, super helpful. 
in, in my experience, one thing I hear a lot is, you know, people think people telling me, I can't do that because I have diabetes. I can't, I can't, I can't. And I think that being outdoors, especially with connected emotion or, but just in general on your own, I think you have the opportunity to show yourself that you can, that you can walk for 15 minutes. You can go on a canoe trip with diabetes. Yeah. And, and you know what, maybe, maybe to go along with that, that there's other people who are at the exact same level as you. And, and, and there are other people who are, are going to try for the first time just sitting in a boat or try for the first time going for an hour long hike. Like there that I think that that's one of the really nice pieces that can, or ways that community intertwines itself um, into these outdoor programs. Of course you could do outdoor things by yourself, but uh, we tend to do them in groups uh, with, with the diabetes community. And it kind of gives that added benefit of, of community connection along with the benefits of just being outdoors and in the fresh air. Over the past six months, you haven't had been able to do any in-person outdoor adventures. So how have you guys pivoted doing stuff online and how, what have you seen from that in terms of people's uh, ability to connect with each other? Oh, it's been, it's been a really exciting year, but it, it has been, it's been disappointing to not be able to connect people in the same ways that we have before. On the flip side of that, um, so kind of how we pivoted was to move to host our slipstreams virtually. And when we sat down to figure out what, what that was going to look like, we had to do that really early on in the COVID world um, because our very first program was scheduled for May 1st. And that meant that like all of our, travel needed to be booked by April 1st. And that was not long after things really started to slow down. So we as a team came together to say like, if we were to boil down Slipstream to its very core components, what are they? And we said that those were connections, small group conversations, being able to um, get your questions answered that you maybe aren't so comfortable asking to your healthcare team. Um, it would be giving people a, a space to hear each other's stories and to share their stories. And that as much as we want that to be happening in an outdoor setting, we can make that happen in another way. And so we hosted our first um, virtual slipstream in May and we're just blown away. Like we didn't, we had no idea what to expect because as you can imagine, and as you probably experienced, that was May was pretty early on in this whole new virtual world. Um, we had no idea how many people would sign up. We didn't know if people would actually show up to sessions. We didn't know if they would talk on zoom or if it would just be this like terribly awkward thing. And man, it was not. We had about 500 people from all over the world, um, adults with type one, show up to that first event. Uh, and it was just incredible. And I think the one of the moments where we realized like, wow, like if this is crazy, is that one slipstreamer um, said that like the piece she felt she was missing was just the hangouts. And was there any way that we could replicate that online? And so on the Saturday morning of virtual slipstream, we as a team came together and brainstormed and launched what we called our slipstream cafe, which was just a place that would be a Zoom room open all throughout the whole weekend. Anyone could hang out. And I remember at like 2.30 in the morning, 
like getting up to like get a drink of water and looking at my computer and there are like 10 people in this cafe still in, like in the middle of the night just talking and connecting and they were from all over the world and sharing stories and I think that's when we realized like we're, we're definitely going back to the outdoors but <laughs> in the meantime um, we can probably still create something that's like that's pretty incredible um, by setting up a space that is is open encouraging of conversation welcoming of everyone and just a place where people can feel safe to share their stories and and it happened and so that's been pretty cool so we're getting ready to host our third and our fourth ones um so how can people get in touch with you and keep up to date as to what connected emotion is doing so they can join an event in the future Totally. So we are most active on Instagram as well as on our Facebook page. We also have started to develop regional Facebook groups if you're someone who uses Facebook um, because those are a place where we can more have conversation. It's a little bit more difficult on the Facebook page platform. Um, but those are, are probably the best ways just to see what's going on day to day. Um, we also have our website that stays updated and that's at connectedemotion.ca that's a great place to kind of pop in and, and find a way to get connected and, and let us know what your thoughts are and what you're looking for. Um, I think we've been able to have as much fun as we do have because so many people from the community tell us what they want and we try to make it happen. We, we try to bring in as many voices as possible and, and give people platforms to tell their story and share their expertise. And so we're, we'd, we'd love to hear from you if, if that sparks any thoughts. Yeah, and I'll have the website and the Instagram and Facebook handles in the show notes of this episode. So you can go ahead and look there if you want to get in touch with and keep track of what's going on with Connected Emotion. So Jen, finally, the last question is something I ask everyone on this podcast is, what is the best piece of advice you've gotten about how to best deal with the emotional challenges of living with type 1 diabetes? I would say, without a doubt, it's finding other people who get it and finding other people who you can talk to and share with and who are are going to understand and not judge. And sometimes you don't need a solution, you just need someone to talk to. And I think that that's the best piece of advice I've, I've ever gotten. And it stuck with me because I'm still here doing that. Well, Jen, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. It was a great talking to you. Thanks so much, Mark. And I look forward to hearing more podcasts and hearing more stories. Over the past couple of years, I've been to probably five or six Slipstream weekends. And I have to tell you that they are by far my favorite events to go to and to speak at. To be able to be outdoors with other people with diabetes who are on adventures and looking for connections is just a really magical experience. And I encourage anyone who could benefit from a Slipstream weekend to do whatever they can to go because it's really, really worthwhile. Whenever I see a new patient in my practice, I ask them a variety of questions, but one question that I always ask is, if you have other people in your life with type one who can support you? And almost always the answer to that question is no. I'm not really sure if there's a connection between people that come to see me and people who don't have support, but I do know the value of support and how important it is for people with type one to have support from other people with type one. A lot of times, I'm the first person with type 1 diabetes that my patients have ever met or have ever interacted with in a meaningful way, and that in and of itself is super helpful for them. 
And when I find out that someone doesn't have support from other type ones, the first thing that I try to do is connect them to other type ones, whether that's online or whether that's in person or whether that's going to an event like a slipstream, because I know that the power of connection is healing and the power of connection can help people really get unstuck from with some of the mental health challenges that they have with type 1 diabetes. Talking to Jen really opened my eyes to some of the specific reasons why having support from other people with type 1 diabetes can be so helpful. Having support is a whole lot more than just having a friend who has diabetes. Friendships can certainly be a big part of support, but there's more value than just the value of friendship. As I think about it more, I wonder whether support is the right term that we should be using for what we're talking about here. There's nothing wrong with the word support. I think it actually describes things pretty well. However, when I suggest to somebody that they get support, I think the picture that they have in their mind is a support group and sitting around a table with other people with diabetes, complaining about how hard diabetes is, and then having other people give them a pat on the back and tell them that it's not that bad or give them advice about what they've done to overcome those same challenges. And to me, that feels a little uncomfortable. And I think that other people who hear the word support feel uncomfortable too. So I wonder if instead of support, a better term might be connection. Jen used that word, people searching for connection. I think the word connection captures what we're talking about and what people are searching for even better than the word support does. Jen had some great insights as to what people are looking for when they're searching for connection. And I want to dive a little bit deeper into what she talked about because her insights are really helpful for me. And I really hope that they're helpful for you as well. Connection with other people with type 1 diabetes brings you a sense of normalcy. There's no explaining to do. There's no worrying about what people are going to be thinking about you because everyone's in the same boat. Your CGM alarm goes off. No one blinks an eye. You pull out your insulin because it's time for lunch. Everyone else is doing the same thing. And that ability to feel normal, even for a short amount of time, can have extreme benefits for your mental health. I hear a lot from people with type 1 diabetes about how they feel different and how they feel like they're the only one who has to deal with what they're dealing with. They're the only one who has to go to the nurse's office to give themselves insulin at lunchtime. They're the only ones who have to worry about whether or not that blood sugar is high or low before a presentation at work. They're the only ones who have to count their carbs before they eat and give themselves just enough insulin to be effective. And people who don't have diabetes don't have to do any of that stuff. It's really easy to get resentful when you feel like you're the only one with this burden. People with type 1 really crave a sense of normalcy, to feel like they're not different, to feel like they are just like everybody else. And connection with other people with diabetes gives them the opportunity to do that, gives them that opportunity, even if it's just for a short amount of time, for a weekend or an afternoon or even a couple minutes to feel like what you have to do and what you have to worry about is normal and that you're not different and that everybody else around you is experiencing the same thing is powerful. These connections tend to make managing diabetes and also dealing with the psychological challenges of diabetes a whole lot easier because everyone around you is dealing with the same thing. And so that sense of being different and that sense of having to do something extra, it just disappears. Feeling like you're different is stressful. So having connection gives you the opportunity to feel normal. 
And this feeling of being normal, even if it's just for a short amount of time or when you're around certain people, can take a big burden off of you. But feeling normal is just the tip of the iceberg of the benefits of connection. I just love the visual of the slipstream. I looked up slipstream in the dictionary to give me a better sense about what it is. And the definition I came up with was an assisting force regarded as drawing something along behind something else. And the idea of having connections leading to slipstreams, helping you move along the path of living with diabetes and making it simpler, simply because there's somebody who's leading you and has gone before you, that's the idea of a slipstream is being in it together makes it easier than doing it all alone. Everyone takes a role in being that leading force and helping others along. And together we're so much stronger than we are by ourselves. You can only have a slipstream, though, when you have connections, when there are other people around you who you know and who you trust to be able to lead you. Now you have to take proactive steps to make those connections. But once those connections are formed, the slipstream happens automatically. The power of connection does not end with the idea of the slipstream. Actually, I think it's only the beginning. Once you have that slipstream, it gives you the opportunity to push yourself to see what's really possible for you with diabetes. What that actually looks like is different for each person, and there's no right or wrong answer. You're really the only one who can make that determination. But we want to make sure that you're being as flexible as possible and that you don't have diabetes holding you back from doing things you really want to do. For you, that may be scuba diving or skydiving or flying an airplane. For somebody else, that may be running a half marathon. And for somebody else, that may be making a new friend with diabetes and introducing themselves and sharing some of their story. All of those things are great, but I really want you to have the flexibility to do things you may not have thought possible. And having connection with other people with type 1 diabetes can be a catalyst to helping you push yourself to your limits, whatever those may be. Because in the end, feeling normal is great and having a slipstream is great. We want to be able to see you live a full life with diabetes. And so that's really what connection is about. Using the support that you get from the connections that you have with other people with diabetes to empower you to live a full life with diabetes and push yourself to your limits, whatever those limits might be. Having connections may be the key to getting you there. Feeling comfortable, feeling safe, feeling like someone has your back to be able to take those steps forward that may be scary. Finally, when Jen was talking about the value that connected emotion brings and and why slipstreams can be so great, it reminded me of something that I think that I forget sometimes. And that is the things that can be most helpful for people's mental health are oftentimes the simplest things. Being outdoors, being active, being around other people who are like you, those things are all really simple but they can have the most powerful effect, probably more powerful than any intervention that you might get from a psychologist. And so that's a lesson that I really want to use myself, but I also hope it's helpful for you, is that when we're thinking about how to make yourself feel better and how to support other people, sometimes the simplest things are the best. A listening ear, being able to take a walk outside, being able to have a healthy meal, Those things are all simple and hopefully things that we can all do on a regular basis if we we remind ourselves. Get outside, take a walk, do something in nature. That can have a big impact on both your mental health, but also on your diabetes management. But when you're trying to improve, keep in mind that sometimes the simplest things are the most effective. I really enjoy getting emails from my listeners and I would love to hear from you. Please feel free to send me a note and say hi. 
And let me know what you've done to find connection in your life with diabetes and how it's benefited you. To get in touch, go to my website, thediabetespsychologist.com, or send me an email to mark at thediabetespsychologist.com. That does it for today's episode of the Diabetes Psychologist podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, I would really appreciate it if you would leave a review and a five-star rating on iTunes. And please tune in next time for a brand new episode of the Diabetes Psychologist podcast. Thanks so much for listening. For more resources, you can visit www.thediabetespsychologist.com and be sure to sign up for the email list for access to exclusive content. I'm Dr. Mark Heyman, and tune in next time for the latest episode of the Diabetes Psychologist podcast. Podcast.